Welcome to the Insightful Startup Podcast, a podcast to accompany the book, The Insightful Startup. In each episode, I talk to people who have been inspirations for the book, and through these conversations, you'll get additional perspectives on the most important concept of the specific chapters, and here I supply them to startup examples not mentioned. The book can be bought as print, e- or audiobook on the insightfulstartup.com. Peter Torstensen is the founder of Accelerase and the CEO of the co-working space Symbian with six locations in Copenhagen. It is fair to say that Peter is one of the primary forces behind the entire Danish startup ecosystem due to his work for the past 20 years on both the political and the operational side. But more importantly for this episode, Peter is also the co-author of The Insightful Startup and the main inspiration for me when I wrote the book. Today we'll discuss chapter two, The chapter is called Real-Life Problems of the Lean Startup Approach. And in the book, I describe how Peter and I adopted the Lean Startup Approach into our acceleration program at Accelerase, and how our initial excitement about the framework slowly started fading as our experience showed us the limitation and problems with this approach. The chapter covers the problems that stem from using the business model canvas and the idea that answers can be obtained from tests. Oh, Peter, let me start off with why do you think the Lean Startup approach gained such popularity in those years? Well, probably for a lot of reasons, but uh, let me bring you back to that uh, point in time. So uh, basically 10, 15 years ago, you had this kind of like huge discussion of what is uh, entrepreneurs made of. And I actually kind of wrote an article at that point that was kind of like, okay, are entrepreneurs uh, born or are they made? So uh, the question, well, is it some kind of specific DNA that you have as an entrepreneur or can you actually learn the, uh, learn the process? And I think that a lot of people thought of entrepreneurs that these kind of special individuals uh, that set up to uh, build interesting uh, ventures and go for uh, success and they were made off of some kind of special stuff. Uh, they were made off of a specific DNA that you could actually find. And then suddenly, kind of like uh, you had this kind of idea, say, well, entrepreneurs are not necessarily born. There are bits and parts of uh, the journey that you can uh, that you can learn, and you can actually adopt a specific framework, a specific methodology, and through that methodology, you can increase your chance of success. Of course, that was so appealing both to a lot of uh, startup founders because suddenly it was kind of like, okay, I'm not necessarily born to this. I can actually adopt a way of, uh, of working. And especially, of course, for uh, accelerators and people working with the idea of promoting a more successful startup, this made a lot of sense because suddenly you could kind of like put it into methodology. If it was all, all DNA, then the job of an accelerator would be to pick the ones with the right, right DNA and then hope they will be uh, successful. But basically with this methodology, you, you, you start to say, oh, there's something you can learn. So there's bits and parts of the journey of building successful startup you can learn and you can adopt over time. So I think that was kind of like uh, the, the core of why it became so successful. Yeah. So the idea was essentially very seductive, right? Because it's like saying you do not need to have 
great bone structures become beautiful. If you just make these facial exercises and do these things, you will become like a, a cover model. It, it's a very seductive idea to able to just follow a prescription and suddenly the world of entrepreneurial stardom is open to you as well. Exactly, exactly. I think it was exactly that. So so suddenly a lot of individuals saying, I can build my company by fill, by following this specific recipe for uh, for uh, for success. And I think that's kind of part of everyday life. So, so all the things that you are either uh, born to or hasn't having your DNA, they, 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 those things are not so interesting because you feel you cannot influence them as an individual. But suddenly with this kind of, of recipe and methodology, you could influence your road to success. So you could you could work hard and you can do certain things and then you could potentially be successful. I think another seductive aspect of it was the idea that you could actually validate your company risk-free because the idea was that you actually didn't have to quit your job. You actually didn't have to uh, do a lot of things besides talking to customers and validating key assumptions. And you could essentially do that while still having your job in in uh, in the weekends, right? And uh, thus, I think a lot of supporters and organizations that promoted startups really took that idea to heart and really had an interest in promoting that. I just said weekend, so just start a weekend would come to mind, right? But but a lot of uh, organizations really wanted this idea to spread. Yeah, yeah. At that point, uh, there was also another book uh, that was called Effectuation, a little bit of the same idea of the learning process of uh, of startup. And the core of that book was actually on uh, Jeff Bezos. And the whole claim in that book was uh, Jeff Bezos uh, built Amazon in, in his garage in the weekend. And the whole idea was that because he was so constrained on the resources, he had to learn uh, fast and do things and therefore automate uh, Amazon even more than if you were a full-time entrepreneur. So, so I think that you are, you're absolutely right. It gave kind of like uh, kind of like insights and ideas to that. Well, I can start risk-free as an entrepreneur. But I guess it also did a lot of good things, right? So it wasn't just First of all, I think there may be some truth to parts of entrepreneurship and startups can be learned. It's not all DNA. So it definitely moved it away from that idea, uh, which is good. Of course, in the book, I argue that it was overdone and that it has elements of something that you cannot easily obtain anyway, which is original insight is something that you can obtain it, but it's not something you just decide over a weekend, I want to have original insight to found a startup. But of course, I think thinking about it, it helped us at Accelerate work with the startups in a way that gave us a shared foundation, at least for discussing the companies. How did you experience that? Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, I think I have one saying that say, well, you can, you can probably teach every individual to swim, but you cannot turn all swimmers into uh, Olympic swimmers. <laughs> so, uh, so of course, there's uh, parts of, uh, of, uh, of the journey that you can learn, and there's part of the journey that is built into, into the startup. And maybe just kind of like a little bit of a sidetrack here, and then coming back to your, uh, to your question. I think the problem is that, that, that you see the DNA of, uh, of, uh, of uh, startups as the DNA of the founder. But I actually think that the DNA is built into the startup. 
and to some extent it, that that is the same. So it's the fa- the founders in the beginning are the uh, are the startup, but the founders don't have a specific DNA that's built into into the startup. And I think this is where the whole idea and the whole concept of original insight is really really interesting because it's not about the individual; it's how it is built into that organization that you are that you are that you are starting as a company. So it's more built into the company and through that, of course, into the mind of the uh, of the of the of the founders. But yes, uh, you are absolutely right. I think that that uh, what uh, Lean Startup gave us and gave a lot of other accelerators was a a common framework that you could all work with. Up until then, then accelerators were probably built on all the individuals, so all their individual experience of being founders or having worked with startup or consulted startup uh, through a period of time, and therefore. Uh, the quality of an accelerator or quality of an investor was so depending on the uh, on the individual. But with Lean Startup, you're starting having a methodology. I remember that back then. I said I, I did the comparison with uh, with McKinsey, and say, well, the McKinsey would not be a successful uh, consultancy company without the Boston Matrix, uh, because all uh, that starts at uh, at McKinsey at some point is brought up in the Boston Matrix and thinking that and applying that to different situations. And with Lean Startup, you suddenly had that. Uh, in citation Boston matrix that you could use uh, and start building your program around. Yeah, and I think that's also what enabled a lot of organizations to start scaling. We saw that with all the uh, the, the the company builders, right? Uh, but also to some extent, YC, YC's first batches they were like twenty companies max, and now they're like two hundred companies, of course. And I think I'm not sure how much they teach the lean startup approach, but definitely there is now a common uh, framework in order how to work with startups. And much of it is inspired from the lean startup, which is really the modern, I guess, foundation for our way to think about startups. But it's also something that has um, diminished over the years. I would say it definitely had its height in 2012, 2013, and 14. And I remember a lot of the startup founders would, well, we asked them to make a business model canvas, but they would also come to us with all their assumptions and tests and results. It's not something we see that much anymore. Do you have a, a good idea why that is? Is it just because the Lean Startup book is so old now that it's it's no longer novel? Or, or are there other reasons? I think part of the reason is kind of novelty. So, uh, of course, you kind of like run to all the uh, the things that are novel and new ideas and on how to uh, how to uh, how to succeed in in uh, in different areas. I think you could put uh, bookshelves after bookshelves of uh, books of of how you become successful in different areas, <laughs> and and they have a tendency to uh, to uh, to uh, to fade away uh, over a uh, a period of time. But I also think that part of the reason is that well, if we look at numbers, if we just look at the data, uh, the, the the lean startup and the kind of like the lean startup uh, wave through uh, entrepreneurship and and startup hasn't resulted in in a higher number of successful startup. You could actually argue there's probably a a a, a decreasing number or decreasing proportion of startups uh, that that uh, that fails. So so it turned out that it wasn't a given recipe for uh, for for success, 
and therefore, of course, well, if it's not a given uh, recipe for success, then it also has a little bit of tendency, or it has a tendency to kind of like like be be uh, be uh, be more uh, cr- uh, critical towards that uh, that recipe. There's still a lot of things in the lean startup uh, methodology that uh, that I like and preach, but uh, but the whole idea that you can test your way to success just by building assumptions and then go test it. I'm not a strong believer in that anymore. I think it's also partly because that the complexity of startup has risen. So when in back in 2012, the main technological change was basically cloud and later became mobile. And I think that essentially the idea was the first wave of cloud was that you could take software that you would normally run around selling in an, basically a briefcase. You could sell it over the internet and distribute it over the internet. Uh, but it was, to a large extent, existing categories of software you just turned into cloud versions. And I think that the number of tests that you had to perform in order to validate those differences were somewhat limited. But today, there are a bunch of different underlying technology changes. At the same time, there's huge changes in the way that you actually go to market. There are so many channels. Think about back in 2012, you could essentially rely on Google AdWords. And then came Facebook. And you had two channels, Google and Facebook. If you just covered those, you were good to go. That's not the case anymore. Google AdWords isn't that popular anymore. It's not, not that effective. Now, of course, we see Meta, right? It's, it's, it's no longer called Facebook because it has so many different channels and entities. It's such a complex thing. So I think the complexity in itself, the number of tests you would have to perform today to get some kind of idea about various facets of your business model would be endless. And you would simply run out of runway. Yeah, I fully agree. And uh, I think that, that, that again, uh, when you look at these kind of like New trends. We also have to look at kind of like the period of history they were uh, they were born in. Uh, and Lean Startup was born at the point where uh, where the price of software was actually decreasing a lot. So you could start a company with almost no money. <laughs> and I think that the, that was part of the kind of like the well. Now we have all these companies starting. They start with not a big cash burn. Uh, uh, start in 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 the garage or mm-hmm. start kind of like a a side project to your uh, to your uh, to your job. So I fully agree that 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 was part of the uh, uh, of the movement. And then, as you said, kind of complexity was not properly that big at that uh, at the at that point and you had an idea and i still think that that kind of like like the lean startup was also a result of the dot com bubble in 2000 <laughs> so we had all these companies that 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 basically went bankrupt over a short period of time and therefore you had to come up with answers and say well there has to be a better way of uh, of uh, of uh, of building startups so i fully agree that that uh, that 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 it was kind of like also part of the history and and there was a lot of circumstances that that kind of like fell into that bucket of saying well this is the way of uh, of uh, of moving uh, moving forward i think the best proof that startups were a lot cheaper to build at the time were that yc invested $20,000 in the company and later that moved to 120k and today i think it's 500k and it's still startups at the same stage. So it just speaks something about the complexity these startups will have to actually manage. Um, 
And you also here talked about the um, um, a little bit about if or linked to that. I think is is something else, which is about funding. I think that um, VCs today they also just invest a lot more money today, and that means they start focusing on later stages. Funds have size have exploded, and uh, I think that startups are just forced into growth territory and much, much sooner today than at the time. And I think very few VCs want to hear a founder talk about his testing things. He want to see KPIs and metrics uh, moving. So I think that's also a part of that the Lean Startup approach probably is less prevalent today. And today's founders are reading books like Blitzscaling uh, by Reid Hoffman and, and some other things. Um, but um, the Lean Startup approach, it's so... How how do you see original insight actually filling some of the gaps that uh, the lean startup approach sort of left? Um, I, I see it in a lot of ways, but I'm trying to kind of like 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 simplify it a little bit. So uh, and 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 let me go to back to another uh, favorite topic of mine. So if you look at science, right? So science is also a proper like kind of a process of exploring things, having assumptions, testing them, uh, and do all that stuff. And that was also part of the inspiration to the uh, to the lean startup movement. But 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 you wouldn't be a good scientist if you haven't studied a subject matter for years after years after years. And in that study of that 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 subject for years after the years that that enables you to build the model and build so, your assumptions exactly and build your assumption and build them with a precision where you can actually test it. So the 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 idea that Einstein sat down one day and then he invented and say okay I see all these planets and now I have a thousand assumptions of how they move and then I go out test it he would be testing uh, uh, all the way to uh, today and wouldn't have found any answers at all so 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 he had to build a mental model and that mental model was derived from a lot of studies into the area. And I think that goes for startups as well. So, so in order to to do the testing and have assumptions, they have to be so precise that you can test them within your runway. And the only way you can build such precise assumption is having that mental model. And in my mind, that mental model is actually original insights. It's your model on how does the world look like in that specific narrow area that I am uh, I am targeting as a uh, as a as a startup, and it's it's kind of a little bit uh, funny looking back that I say, well, that was not part of the lean startup. It's actually kind of not part of what what is it that you bring in as asset uh, to to the to the to the journey. It was kind of like well, start on a blank piece of paper uh, with the canvas, and then you could cut up with a good idea. It's kind of okay. Uh, that is probably a bit hard. And it's sort of ironic because the testing framework was derived from the scientific method. It was an attempt to replicate the scientific method, but it forgot a couple of key things. Like you're saying, it wasn't scientists don't just come up with assumptions on a blank slate of paper, right? They is based on the equivalent to original insight, which is years of studying something. So you can actually come up with a set of assumptions and hypotheses that are built on a valid assumption, a valid overall guess about 
an area. And then you actually you just go and confirm it. You're not going into exploration mode about it, right? That's a different kind of science anyway, mm. I think. Uh, so I think that's important. The other thing is that there weren't a lot of, in science, you share all the previous work. So you also learn from other people, whereas startup founders, they tend to make all the mistakes again. And I think that is one of the roles as we as accelerators and other institutions should be better at sort of building that body of knowledge, right? And and collecting that original insight from different founders so others could benefit from it. And I know it's something we talked about a lot, but I'm not sure how to do that. No, no, I fully agree. I think that, that, that one of the biggest role of uh, of, uh, of accelerators, but, but basically everyone working with uh, with startup, is that kind of accumulation of uh, of knowledge and insight that you should derive from, in our case, working with more than a thousand startups. And then you should well, how do you how do you how do you make that kind of knowledge tacit in the way that it can actually be used by other. Uh, by other founders, so they don't have to make exactly the same mistakes uh, that all the other uh, founders did. So, so I think that part of it is an extremely important part of uh, of running a accelerator in the uh, in the in the long run. And in our case, it's kind of like both built in the way that we uh, try to constantly collect data, but but it's also built into uh, our whole idea of having a all-star team of alumni founders. It's <laughs> basically the same idea, bring back the people that learned the McKinsey methodology, and then they are part of the journey for the next generation. Yeah, I think that is one way that accelerators have probably evolved or definitely should evolve. Uh, we were just not at a back when Accelerate started back in 2009. There's just more the accumulation of that knowledge. Everyone were first-time founders, essentially, right? So it's something that uh, that I think that we should continue working on. Um, if you work at a institution that is supporting entrepreneurs and startups, and obviously we at Accelerate have a partner network, and let's say you have an incubator, and today you're running a business model canvas workshops. Should they stop doing that, or should they continue doing that? And what would your advice be yeah. on thinking about the Lean Startup approach as a, as a part of their program? Yeah, no, I, I don't think they should stop that. I, I like the, uh, I still like parts and bits and part of the canvas. But I think that that the, that what you have to drill into, uh, it, it kind of like is the real combination of what is the actual problem that you are solving and from whom are you solving that. And so, so, so you need to drill into that, as we call it, original insight. What is that based on? Is that just based on, well, uh, we have a problem with environment or, <laughs> or carbon uh, gases or whatever, or is it actually built on on true understanding on a, of a, either technology or true understanding of a, a specific segments of uh, of uh, of, uh, of customers. So, uh, and and if you look at the canvas uh, and and newer versions of the canvas, it actually have that kind of like forces that well, what is the problem? What is the, the alternatives? And then looking into what we will refer to as the uh, as the beachhead customer. So this is where you uh, where you start and getting that foundation right is in my mind kind of what drives uh, drives uh, startups to be uh, to be uh, to be successful. So you have to dig into that uh, that 
exactly original insight. If it's not there, it's hard to build, at least uh, accelerating that part of the process that takes time. Yeah, you're speaking about some of the newer versions of the Bismol canvas, exactly. like, like the lean canvas and so on, that were adopted more to startups because I think everyone realized that that it wasn't really fit for startups and it was also derived from uh, evaluating existing companies. I think the business model canvas can be used as a way to quickly portray your ideas about your company at maturation to someone else, and that's essentially what it is. I think the illusion that the business model canvas and other versions of it as well can sort of give is that once you completed it and populated all the fields, now you have a blueprint for working business. It's as if all I need to do is just write something in these and then go and execute it. Uh, obviously, there will be some assumptions linked to these, but if I can validate it, then I can sort of just execute that business. But I think that's a complete illusion because I think that all those things are not just assumptions, but those are things that require actual, you know, you need to build operational expertise, you need to build up assets, you need to, you cannot just execute many of these things without actually substantial work first, and they sometimes build upon each other. So you cannot just execute the business at once, right? You Some things leads to other things and so on, and you don't have that in there. So it's become this kind of illusion, I think, that many startup founders, then they get burned by. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, and I think that, that, that and, and maybe it's also a little bit uh, counterintuitive, right? Okay, I built a canvas and now I have a plan. So so what is the, okay, so you put your 30-page uh, business plan into one page <laughs> that doesn't necessarily make it a better plan, uh, basically. So, so, So there is a, there, it is a learning process of 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 building a startup. But but again, if that learning process don't don't stand on the shoulders or something that is unique for that specific startup, then uh, then the journey is going to be uh, going to be extremely uh, extremely hard. So if it's not based on original insight, as uh, as you would put it, then then it would. I don't think that you will uh, that you will ever uh, get there. You're not. It's hard to explore yourself uh, to uh, to uh, to uh, to success, and and therefore I think that 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 the idea of of really digging the digging into original insight and the understanding of of who are the people who have that specific problem and what are the alternatives, and why are there coming more and more of those types of individuals or organizations into the market. That is kind of like the core of building, uh, building successful, uh, successful startup, and I think that everyone should start there and ask themselves the, uh, that question: What do I know that no one else know? <laughs> What have I seen uh, that may be uh, be false or it may be right? Uh, but if you don't have that, then you should ask yourself: hmm, Am I actually building something uh, new here, or am I building something that thousands of people have done before me? Where do you now land on the whole startup founders are made or born? <laughs> uh, uh, here I have to go back to kind of like my, my, my traditional sports analogy. So if you look at sports stars, then you know there is a proportion of DNA in that. As I said, it, it may not just be built into the founders in, in, in the individual's head, but it's built into the startup. So 
original insight in, is in my mind actually the DNA of a, uh, of a startup. And then from there on, uh, you, can, uh, you can learn a lot uh, and you can gain a lot of experience and you can make smarter and smarter decisions as you, uh, as you go along uh, by using frameworks and methodologies and way of, uh, of uh, exploring, like you say, uh, challenge to the markets and, and, uh, and stuff like that. But, but, but in that process, you work under a tremendous amount of restraints. And, and it's really important that you don't forget that because you have limited time. So therefore, the idea of that you can do thousands and thousands of tests huh, won't work, right? Because then you basically run out of money. So if I should put it and say, well, the DNA is the original, original insight is the DNA of our startup. And then from there on, uh, hard work and a lot of practice uh, that, that could potentially bring you to become, uh, become successful. Peter, it was a joy to co-author the book with you. Thank you for the discussion. And to you listeners and readers of The Insightful Startup, thank you for buying the book and listening to the show. You can find more episodes on the website, theinsightfulstartup.com, and you can follow me on LinkedIn under the name David Today.